Welcome, friends. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. <clears throat> Let us return to the one holy God who calls us to steadfast love. Because the Lord desires love, not sacrifice. Let's return to the one who heals and binds, revives, and raises up. Because the Lord desires knowledge, not burnt offerings. Let's rejoice in the name of the one who favors all creation with light and with life. Let's praise the Lord, the Almighty. And let's begin today by confessing our sins together so that we can receive God's mercy. Let us pray. <clears throat> Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Hear the good news. Jesus was delivered to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. <clears throat> God has poured out love upon us, and we have received forgiveness for our sins. We can now live in peace. Thanks be to God. And let us extend that peace to one another. May the peace of Christ be with you, my friends. We respond to God's forgiveness by living our thanks according to God's word. Hear now God's will for our lives. Psalm 33 says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. May it be so to the glory of God. Let's again pray as we approach the reading and the proclamation of God's holy word. Oh God, by your word, everything was made. Your word is powerful and can transform the hearts of people. Speak to us today. Open our hearts and minds to your message and give us guidance and strength. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. I am reading for you from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 9 to 13, and verses 18 to 26. Hear the word of the Lord. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with them and his disciples. 
When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue, a synagogue leader's house, and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, he said, Go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. News of this spread through all that region. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The late Abigail Van Buren, better known as the newspaper columnist Dear Abby, and it's from my generation, was the person who made famous the phrase, The church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum of saints. That quote is an accurate reflection of what Jesus was doing and saying. We occasionally need words like Dear Abby's to remind and reorient us toward why the church exists. The church of the Lord does not remain on this earth solely for our benefit, any more than a hospital exists for the benefit of the doctors or insurance companies. Rather, the church lives to extend the mission of Jesus through proclamation of good news with the restorative touch of grace. The church's calling is not to find others who can help them with their giving and attendance. Instead, the church is the community of the redeemed, the temple of the Holy Spirit, gathered and sent to be the continuing presence of Jesus on this earth because we have received the Spirit. We have just uh, experienced Pentecost. Some of us are not healthy. Some are sick. Sick with guilt and shame, or heart sick, or just plain sick and tired of being sick and tired. Jesus came neither con to condemn nor heap a pile of unrealistic expectations upon us. Rather, Christ points us to the source of healing and restoration and invites us to admit our need and come to him. The question I want us to grapple with is this. Why did Jesus come to this earth? The answer to that question 
is to also answer the question of our own purpose and existence as followers of Christ. Jesus came to forgive sin and transform sinners. Forgiveness, healing, and restoration are the three activities which bring about true spiritual and physical healing. There are two healings in today's gospel lesson. One is a spiritual healing, and the other physical healing. The calling and the healing of Matthew. At the heart of the human condition is spiritual brokenness. And Jesus is all about taking away guilt and shame, creating a new person and a new community. It's a really a radical vision which seeks to encompass and embrace all persons, which means Jesus touched many people overlooked by others. Jesus came to call the despised people of society the quote-unquote sinners. He called Matthew a tax collector. And tax collectors in Christ's day were hated people. They were tended to be corrupt uh, persons who extorted money from innocent people just trying to make ends meet. Jesus not only called the despised Matthew, but he also had dinner with him and all of his unsavory buddies. This kind of behavior by Jesus was deeply offensive to the upstanding citizens and the religious leaders of Christ's time. And yet, despite that, uh, Jesus did not back down. He responded by saying that it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. And he backed up his social actions with scripture by encouraging offended folks to meditate on what this biblical phrase means from Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. It is possible to engage in outward rituals of worship, do all the right things, fulfill our duties, yet still miss the heart of God, uh, what he wants to do for humanity. And mercy is what God wants. Jesus knew this, so Christ entangled himself with sinners to bring spiritual healing and restoration. Mercy is what God wants. When Corrie Ten Boom sought to bring deliverance of the Jews from the Nazis during World War II, she had to entangle herself with Jewish refugees. When Christian missionaries seek to be the light of Jesus to people, they must entangle themselves with the people's culture. If we want to see God deliver people from their situations, we must entangle ourselves with them into complicated lives that are not often pretty with persons who have been tainted by sin. Lots of people are in awful predicaments. Christians like their Lord will need to get their hands dirty and their feet wet to extend Christ's ministry of mercy and forgiveness. 
the gospel was never intended to be proclaimed from afar, but up close, personal, through entanglement in people's lives. If the merciful mission of Jesus is to occur, it requires the following three levels of intimacy with others. It requires, first, intimacy with Jesus. Engaging in the spiritual disciplines of prayer, giving, fasting, reading, meditating on scripture are the activities which help us to know Christ better and know how to respond with mercy. Second, we need intimacy with fellow believers. We are hardwired by God for community. Superficial relationships can only provide superficial community. Christians need to help one another with spiritual growth. They must hold one another accountable for the mission of Christ. And third, we need intimacy with, again, quote-unquote, <laughs> sinners. This old world is filled with sick, needy, hurt, and lonely people who are locked in unhealthy patterns of living. They need a merciful change of life that comes from the merciful Jesus acting through merciful Christians. Mercy, not judgment, is at the heart of all change. If we desire others to be different, we will need to be acquainted with the mercy of God. And then we have the approach of a grieving father and a bleeding woman for healing. The dead girl being raised to life and the bleeding woman experiencing healing are, maybe at the surface, unrelated. And yet Matthew's gospel presents them together in a kind of sandwich story. The dead girl's father approaches Jesus, and in the middle of the story, while Jesus and the father are on the way to the deceased girl, <clears throat> a woman who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years approaches Jesus without saying a word. In both cases, the father and the woman exhibited confident faith that their heartfelt desires would be met with Jesus. And in both situations, two people were restored not only to health, but to fully functioning members of the community. And this is where the two of them are related to Matthew. With all three persons, the healings involved a restoration to society. When Jesus heals a person, that person is completely healed, both body and soul and healed not only of traumatic physical ail ailments, even death, but also healed of disordered or demented minds, of deep emotional wounds, and of spiritual neglect or, or abuse. In the woman's case, she had to contend with being separated from the community because of her bleeding. She was ritually unclean and could not participate like the others in worship and in communal life. And in the case of the father and synagogue ruler with a dead daughter, he would have to put up with not only the severe grief of a lost daughter, but also the misguided cultural beliefs of an untimely death being the result of either the girl's personal sin 
or the sin of the Father. Boy. So when Jesus heals, Jesus heals thoroughly, completely. It always involves forgiveness if needed and a restoration of the individual and sometimes whole families. It's a restoration back into the arms of the society which everyone is dependent upon for each other's welfare. And also, like Matthew, Jesus was willing to cut through any cultural barriers and existing uh, social norms in order to accomplish God's will and purpose of restoring lost people. I want us to observe that Jesus asks us to follow him because he himself is also willing to do so. Jesus does not ask us to do something that he has not already done himself. A woman with a bloody discharge and a dead girl's body were touched by Jesus, who reached across Israel's purity laws in doing so. Two people who were ritually unclean and not to be touched were given a new lease on life through Christ's willingness to follow God's will. Notice that Jesus did not initiate the contact but followed them in their requests and desires. Sometimes the church needs to learn the art of following by observing how Christ himself followed. Many churches today, including yours and mine, wonder how to draw people in rather than how to engage people where they live. Instead of waiting for people to come in or trying to attract through marketing efforts, perhaps the church should follow our neighbors out into the world, responding to their needs as they emerge. Maybe, just maybe, we might explore how to participate in what is already going on in the community and follow the leading of the Spirit who is the continuing presence of Jesus on this earth, maybe we could put our focus on how to show mercy, not sacrifice. O Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross so that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. Clothe us in your spirit so that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge of your love for the glory of your name. Amen. We do have a God of mercy and a God of grace, a God who cares about creatures on this earth and cares about us, God's image bearers, And as we go out into the world, we go out with a ministry of mercy, grace, forgiveness, reconciliation. Christians are people who are to make the world a better place. And so as we do that, God freely blesses us for this work. And so as we depart together today, and I look forward to being with you again, we go with the blessing of God. 
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the encouragement and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit be with you, now and forever. Amen. Go in peace, brothers and sisters, to serve the Lord.